This is Victoria Schneps, the publisher of Schneps Media and SchnepsBroadcasting.com, bringing you the power women. Feel the power of these women in our podcast. And I want to let you know that it is available to listen to wherever podcasts are found. We are brought to you today by Brookdale University Medical Center, part of the One Brooklyn Health Systems, the leader in healthcare in East Brooklyn. And I am thrilled to have with us the judge of the surrogate court, Margarita Lopez Torres, who is joining me today after having had a great career, first as a teacher as I was, and now in the courts making a difference every day. So welcome, Margarita. Welcome, Judge. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be here speaking to you. Thank you. So if you would share a little bit of your growing up, where did you grow up and what was your family like like to have the confidence to be the important person you are today? Well, I was I was born in Puerto Rico, Mayaguez, Puerto Rico, and my family migrated here. Um, at the same time uh, that a lot of... Uh, uh, Afro-Americans were migrating from the South, and we all kind of ended up in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And in Brownsville, Brooklyn, there was still uh, a community of elderly uh, Jewish people. And so uh, we all uh, had to learn uh, what we learned from each other, and we learned to get along with each other and it was, uh, you know, some people say, oh, well, you, you grew up in Bronzeville in East New York. Uh, uh, was it living in, a, you know, underserved neighborhood? And I never thought of it that way. Uh, I thought it was a vibrant neighborhood. Not only that, but I think you said that all of your sisters and brothers are college educated. Yes, yes, we are. My mother and, and father, but mainly my mother and my sisters, they were older than I was. Uh, really pushed us to to do well in school, and they always uh, pushed the idea that you can succeed through education. Well, you know, you've made it happen by being uh, a teacher first and then going to Queens College and then getting your law degree, but I had a sense you mentioned that you always wanted to be a lawyer. Was that something? How did that get born, that wish? Well, uh, you know, it, it, it came, I think it came about because what I saw during the civil rights movement, um, Dr. Martin Luther King was, uh, you know, tremendous influence. And I saw that um, the way one got a right uh, was by going to court. Interesting. So when you said going to court, I mean, you were still very young. What what was the kernel of thought? Because you said your sisters are all teachers. Uh, well, when I, in, in Brownsville, uh, I was um, a Shabbos goy. Ah, I know so, what that is. Tell everybody what that is. <laughs> well, um, um, amongst uh, uh, Orthodox Jews, they follow certain rules. And um, on uh, on the Sabbath, and one of them is that they're not allowed to do certain type of work, um, things like turning on a stove, turning on a light bulb, uh, going to the store and picking up some groceries. And so I was a very friendly child, 
And uh, so I became the Shabbos Goy, and I would, uh, you know, they would give me a nickel. So a Goy, I have to tell you, is a non-Jew, for those yes. that may not know that word. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and uh, so I would uh, gather my, my coins together, and I would buy my comic books. And, and that worked out fine until my mother found out that I was taking money from neighbors to you know to by to help them out and 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 she got very upset at me she said don't you ever take money for helping a neighbor so that was the end of getting money for my comic books so but I still did but what inspired you to be a lawyer besides Martin Luther King Ah, was there something ah, in there because because I learned a lot uh from my elderly Jewish neighbors uh, who who had gone through you know the the just uh, uh, the outer uh, you can't even imagine uh, experience of having gone through the Holocaust and having lost a lot of family members uh, and I was curious and uh, I was persistent in asking them questions and at first I saw that they really didn't want to talk about it but I was a you know nine year old ten year old and they started talking to me about why this person had died or that person had died and little by little they started telling me about the Holocaust and uh, it would to me it was such an unimaginable injustice that was that was done and horror and 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 that kind of made me think about uh, laws and how important it was to have laws and uh, to protect people that laws protect people and uh, and during that same period of time you know there was the whole civil rights movement uh, so they merge. In my life, both of those movements merge. And I learn from my um, African-American uh, neighbors about what they had gone through in the South because many of them left the South because they didn't have uh, the same treatment. Uh, they were uh, lost. Uh, people were segregated. And uh, that, to me, those two things just merge and instill in me the need to go out and fight uh, so that people can have the rights that they're entitled to. So, you know, it's amazing how our childhood experiences can lead us into the next step of our lives and our careers. And I know you worked in the family courts and you worked in different parts of the law. How did you move up to be a judge in the surrogate court? Well, after many years of having been a legal services lawyer and also having been a government lawyer in in, in an in a agency that uh, was charged with protecting children, um, I saw the importance of uh, having fairness in the courts. I saw the importance of uh, having people being treated with courtesies. Uh, and sometimes I didn't see that. Sometimes I didn't see that. I didn't see my clients being uh, treated nice and and courteous, and uh, people were talked to, uh, not not always listened to. Um, and I saw the importance of a judge because there were some judge who did that, and there were other judges who were very respectful. And I saw the difference that a judge could make in a family's life. And uh, I wanted to be 
one of those judges. So that now that you're in that court, share with our listeners, what is it that the surrogate court is responsible for in our borough of Brooklyn? Uh, the surrogate's court is um, generally uh, is where uh, wills are probated. Uh, or w- if there's no will, where the affairs of the persons are uh, resolved and managed. Uh, for instance, if there's no will, you still need somebody who will be uh, a representative of the estate uh, in order so that uh, what people leave behind uh, can eventually be distributed to all the proper persons. And I know you also said guardianships. Tell me, what is a guardian that's appointed? How does that work? Well, the type of guardianship that the surrogates court uh, handles are um, where somebody wants to be a guardian for someone who is intellectually or developmentally uh, disabled. Uh, so we we do those, and and that's very important because um, you know someone can have a disability, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they need a guardian uh, because um, disabilities are it's, it's a spectrum uh, from the very disabled to maybe somebody who just may need uh, some help in some areas, but not in all so areas of their life. So who makes that decision? Life. The judge does. Ah. So that's a very important piece of somebody's life. You have a big effect on people's lives. Of course. So I think, yeah. uh, you know, when, as the surrogate, And we do adoptions also. Oh, we do adoptions. Yes. Well, that's a very precious thing. And is there an agency that people go to, to if they want to adopt? Uh, we don't do agency adoptions. So these are private individuals who come to court, um, you know, to you, uh, many second parent adoption, you know, like a, a step parent adoption, uh, or it could be stranger adoption, but it, it an agency is not involved. Okay. So I think, you know, your success is such a great model for other women to know that they can achieve this. I mean, you came to Puerto, from Puerto Rico. How old were you? Six. Six years old. Six years old. And to think about who would have dreamt that from a little girl growing up in Puerto Rico now to be a judge with whose lives you affect every day. What advice would you give other women how to achieve success? One advice is to also think about yourself. Um, I think women are so... I don't know what the term, uh, engineered or socialized to be caregivers. And so we end up being mothers. We take care of our homes while at the same time working. And then uh, at some point, we also end up taking care of an elderly parent. And we're always taking care of other people. And sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves, to think of our own needs, our own wants, our own desires. So I would tell women, it's good to care for others. It's wonderful. But also, in the calculus, think, include yourself. What wisdom. I'm very impressed. I think this is such a good piece of advice for women that I think they find not enough time to take care of themselves, whether it be physically taking care of yourself or mentally and being able to 
pursue your career without, I know I suffered a lot of guilt whenever I was working. Yes. And I think that's a fem- I think women end up, uh, you know, I, I know I did when I was uh, starting out. I wanted to be, you know, a great mom, go to the parent-teacher conferences, have my class a house uh, fairly clean, uh, and but I also wanted to be the best lawyer possible. And I was finding that I was getting up earlier and earlier, you know, f- 6 o'clock, then I was getting up at 5, and then I was getting up at 4 because I wanted to do everything and, and not really thinking of my own needs. So I think there has to be balance, and women don't really balance it all that although we're great multitasker right we're, we're the no ultimate one's better multi- than we are right, right. We, we're, from day one we learn to be a multitasker but we're always thinking of others yes yes it all comes back to that so I think you know that kind of uh, guidance and it sounds to me like your education was also your key to success what do you think it was for me I mean uh you know, I wanted, um, I, I, I would watch TV, and I knew there was a different life in my neighborhood. I didn't know anyone uh, who went to, to college. I was the first one in my family to go to college. Um, but I certainly knew there were doctors and lawyers, and I benefited from a program called the Upward Bound Program when I was in high school. And one of the things that that program did was to take us to the trips to different colleges. And I saw, I saw, you know, black students. I saw Latino students in college. And uh, so that was great for me because I started seeing that I, too, could go to college. Interesting. Isn't it something as small as that is so large and so impactful? Well, I just am delighted to have had this opportunity to talk with Judge Margarita Lopez-Torres, who's our surrogate judge of the surrogate court and has had a great adventure of a life that's still exciting every day, doing something that impacts other people's lives. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So this is Victoria Schnepps bringing you The Power Women, and I'm so delighted the judge could join me today. And I want all of you to feel the power that comes from the women that we speak to. This is brought to you by Brookdale University Medical Center, part of the One Brooklyn Health Systems, the leader in healthcare in East Brooklyn. Thank you. Tune in to schnepsbroadcasting.com and hear us on any podcast that you like for where you find podcasts. Bye now.